Welcome back to our podcast, Critical Conversations. My name is Cristiano and I'm joined by Shona to be your host for today. Our guest today is Julie McCabe, Hemovigilance Officer in St. James's Hospital. The Department of Transfusion Medicine provides a 24-7 service to all clinical specialities in the hospital. Hemovigilance contributes to the delivery of best practice transfusion service, including monitoring and traceability of blood and blood component use. So thank you very much for joining us today. Julie, we are delighted to have you. And um, can you tell us a little bit about your background and your transition to the role of Hemovigilance officer? Good morning. I trained in the UK. My first job as a qualified nurse was in general medicine. The ward had four beds dedicated to malignant haematology patients and I developed an interest in haematology and applied for a job at uh, University College London Hospital, which at the time was the biggest bone marrow transplant unit in Europe. So I worked on the inpatient leukaemia and lymphoma unit for three years and I then worked as a department manager in the outpatient daycare unit for three years. This was mainly non-malignant haematology, including haemoglobinopathy patients, haemophilia and other patients with coagulation disorders. So since returning to Ireland then in the early 2000s, I've always worked in haematology oncology. I worked in haemovigilance covering uh, maternity leave around 2009 and have an interest in same ever since. Then in 2016, after moving up the country, I was delighted when I was successful at securing a job in haemovigilance here at St. James's Hospital. At that time, Deirdre Goff was the manager in the unit and I learned a lot from Deirdre while working with her prior to her retirement in 2020. Deirdre was one of the first haemovigilance officers appointed in this country and had a huge amount of knowledge to share. I've now been working in this job for the past seven and a half years and I really enjoy it. A haemovigilance officer can either be a nurse or a scientist. So here in James's, we have both disciplines in the department. My colleague Sarah is a medical student and I think having both disciplines is beneficial and works very well. You need the knowledge from both um, disciplines from when providing education and dealing with reactions, etc. That's very interesting to know your background. And during these seven years of your experience as an hemovigilance officer, can you tell us some of your biggest challenges that you faced? Uh, there aren't too many challenges that are specific to us here at um, St. James's. I think the challenges are more national and international problems. Blood supply is a constant challenge, both nationally and internationally. St. James's use about 12,000 units of blood every year and about four to 5,000 pools of platelets. We're the biggest users in the country. We encourage transfusion of red cells on a unit by unit basis if the patient is stable, and this is best international practice. Um, we introduced this practice into 2018, which did decrease the amount of blood being used on the general side. Since then, there has been a big increase in patients using our haemoglobinopathy service. Because of the increase in the use of red cells in the haemoglobinopathy service, we haven't reduced the amount of red cells we use after Im implementing um, the single unit transfusion policy. The amount we use is stable for the time being. The usage will increase over the next number of years as there are haemoglobinopathy patients in Crumlin waiting to transfer over to our service. Plus, because of migration into Ireland, there will be more patients with this diagnosis. Because of this challenge, we need to do everything we can to prevent wastage of, pro of products. Always store red cells in designated blood fridges. Never store them in medicines fridges as these fridges are not temperature mapped. 
if red cells are stored in medicines fridges they have to be wasted as they would not have been stored at the correct temperature if you're not going to use blood that you have removed from the fridge put them back into the blood fridge within 30 minutes of, re- of removal to prevent wastage if it's gone over the 30 minutes put it back into the fridge anyway if it hasn't um, been in and out of the fridge for more than um, 60 minutes in total they may be able to use it uh, for another patient platelets then should never be stored in the fridge as they're destroyed by the cold return them to the laboratory if you're not going to use them we also encourage staff to donate blood to the irish blood transfusion service the ibts are working with saint james's hospital at the moment to set up a donation clinic for staff other common errors are sampling mainly because the external wristband was not removed from the patient um, when they came into the hospital. This can cause a delay when issuing blood to a patient as the sample cannot be processed as the details will not be correct. Wrong blood in tube is another challenge. This happens occasionally but can be fatal for the patient. This happens when transfusion guidelines are not followed and blood track is not used properly. The sample is not labelled at the patient's bedside. It's a dangerous mistake to make for any practitioner as it could lead to an ABO mismatch transfusion which can be fatal for that patient. It also requires follow-up for the haemovigilance officer. It requires an adverse incident report, a report to the National Haemovigilance Office and a non-conformance which is discussed at, at the transfusion committee meeting. A root cause analysis will also need to be completed in uh, that incident to get to the root of the problem so that it doesn't, um, the person doesn't make the same mistake again. Delays in administering prothrombin complex concentrate is um, another issue that we deal with here. Prothrombin complex is used to reverse warfarin um, in an emergency situation. There is a protocol in place for prothrombin complex concentrate with clear instructions on the dose, reconstitution and administration. The, The information is also available on the intranet and is sent with the product from the laboratory. We didn't come up with the time, but the transfusion committee did. They expect it to be given within two hours of it being ordered. Perfect. That's definitely some relevant points for us to have in consideration when we're um, transfusing some blood components. And um, could you also tell us if there's any, what's the latest updates in the field of immovigilance at the national level? And is there any quality improvement or innovation projects in motion in St. James's Hospital? The National Transfusion Advisory Group was set up in 2019 and the first meeting was held in 2020. The NTAG, it's called, the National Transfusion Advisory Group, is representative body of clinical, laboratory, allied health professionals and national bodies, including haemovigilance, patients, donors and service users engaged in the service in Ireland. So NTAG provides a national framework for consideration of transfusion matters and guideline development relating to transfusion practice and associated implementation um, accessibility pathways. The Patient Blood Management Working Group is is assisted by NTAG working groups. So NTAG have so far addressed fetus, neonatal and paediatric patients and um, patient information leaflet which have been implemented here in St James's Hospital. At present they are implementing a national poster on life-threatening haemorrhage this is being considered here at St James's at the moment by the many departments that are involved in haemorrhage and a de- decision should be made soon on its implementation. The National Haemovigilance Office in the IBTS is the body that we report uh, reactions and errors to. 
that's the Irish Blood Transfusion Service. So the National Human Vigilance Office is based in the Irish Blood Transfusion Service. At the moment, they are developing a new education programme for um, blood user, users. And at present, we have access to Learn Blood Transfusion, which is a UK programme. Our access to same will cease once the current contract runs out. That's the whole for the whole country so the NHO in the meantime are working on a new education program and that should be up and running um, by early 2025. Um, and the staff transfusion uh, clinic sounds like a great idea yeah. actually I'd be yeah. really interested in that. It'd be brilliant if it happens. Yeah very good. Um, so safe transfusion therapy requires integration and coordination among multiple hospital services so can you tell us a little bit about the introduction of the blood tracker and what impact it has had on patient safety? Yes, blood track did have an impact on safety. Blood track was introduced nationally to improve patient safety at both sampling and administration and it was introduced here in James's in 2015. Blood, blood track must be used for sampling. If it's not used and the patient does not have a historical sample in the laboratory, the sampler will be asked to take a second sample to confirm it's the correct patient. When sampling the patient, the sample must be labelled immediately at the patient's bedside. If the procedure is done correctly, you will not make a mistake. The rate of resampling um, dramatically decreased as a result of um, blood track, as less errors were made by staff. Uh, the patients are less likely to be rebled as a result of sampling um, errors nowadays. The wrong blood in tube rate decreased significantly since blood track was introduced. The wrong blood in tube rate um, for, um, for the six years prior to the implementation was 1 in 4,570. And since its introduction 2016-2022, it's 1 in 22,222, which is in line with, with what's happening nationally and internationally. And at administration, the blood track device, it verifies the right patient and you have the right blood unit. If used properly, it reduces the risk of administering the wrong unit to the patient. It alarms if the details are not matching, indicating that the transfusion cannot go ahead. And it also records vital signs and reactions. It fates the unit electronically, uh, reducing the workload in the laboratory, and it allows one nurse to perform the bedside um, check reducing the workload on the ward. Yes, yeah, it's had a huge impact on safety. And in terms of the traceability, what information is that required and why do we use like 100% traceability of our blood products? The EU Directive 2002-98-EC requires us to provide 100% traceability for all blood truck products in Ireland and Europe. This ensures that the blood and blood components collected, tested, processed, stored, released and or distributed can be traced from the donor to the recipient and vice versa. It's important um, to maintain traceability of blood products because it allows for identification of each blood donation and its component donor and recipient. This helps to investigate transfusion-related adverse incidents and facilitate donor and recipient look-back exercises. It also improves quality and, manage and manages legal risk. The data is kept for 30 years. Adverse reactions and events are, are also notifiable under EU law and the directive was implemented following the viral scandals related to blood products in the early, uh, in the 80s and 90s. And in terms of blood transfusion associated errors, you have already discussed some of these. Um, can you talk about some of the most common ones and how can we prevent them? 
Um, the most common transfusion errors in James's are wrong storage of products, labelling samples from non-SJH identity bands, delays in administering com- protrombin complex and wrong blood in tube. So the wrong storage of products, red cells should be stored in blood fridges which are temperature mapped. Blood, red cells should be stored between 2 and 7 degrees. Uh, red cells cannot and should not be put into medicines fridges. They will be wasted if placed in the medicine fridges and if a red cell is removed from the fridge and the transfusion is delayed or postponed, the um, the red cell should be placed back into the blood fridge within 30 minutes. So a nurse starting a transfusion should make sure that the patient is in the bed, has a decent IV access, has satisfactory vital signs prior to collecting the unit of blood um, because if you bring it out then and they're not you can't give it then um, you have to get it back into the fridge so always do your checks prior to collecting the unit of blood so labeling samples from non st james's identity bands when a patient is transferred in from another facility the id band from the referring hospital should be removed immediately and the st james's identity band should be attached to the patient if the id band is incorrect it will delay issuing the blood products for the patient as a new sample will be required and because the blood track is a national project um, the, it will scan every every hospital's ID band so as soon as the patient comes in from another hospital take off the identity band and put on the um, St James's one. Uh, delay in administering protrombin complex I have spoken about that already uh, the patient will um, the patient that needs prothrombin com- complex will either be bleeding or going for an emergency procedure. It's expected that the prothrombin c- complex will be given within two hours if it's been ordered, as I said, as per the transfusion committee. SHOT, which is serious hazards of um, transfusion, and they govern um, transfusion in the UK. They recommend it's given within one hour of it being ordered. The reason it's expected to be given in a timely manner is that in... It's a drug, as I said, used to reverse a bleed in an emergency situation um, the, and it can lead, it can be fatal and has been fatal. Wrong blood in tube then is another one. It's rare, but it can be very, very dangerous. Dangerous. It happens because the correct procedure is not followed when the sample is taken from the patient. The sampler should identify the patient by asking them to state their name and date of birth. This should be... Um, exactly the same as the name and date of birth on the patient's identity band. If a patient is unable to speak, then check the identity band properly. If the patient does not have an identity band in place, the sample should not be taken until the identity band is placed on the patient and your patient has been correctly identified. When a wrong blood in tube is identified and investigated, it is always as a result of the guideline not being followed correctly. And as I stated already, it can be fatal for the patient if there isn't a historical sample in the lab and you have the wrong blood group and they get the wrong, uh, wrong blood group, um, um, ABO mismatch transfusion, then it can lead to um, a death of a patient. Uh, traceability, as discussed already, we must provide 100% traceability of products. The tag for every product and component should be placed in the blood transfusion box or poly pocket and returned to the laboratory. The pink peel-off sticker from the tag should be placed in the blood transfusion record. Um, it, is, it is a particular issue for emergency products like emergency own egg or the emergency plasma as these are not um, specific to patients so blood track cannot be used. So it's very important that the name and MRN are put on those tags and put into the collection area um, for the tags. It's also an issue for albumin, fibrinogen and prothrombin complex because blood track can't be used for those products either so it's important that the tags come back to us 
It's great to know. And um, indeed, we'll, we will use some of those strategies to prevent some further, some further um, blood transfusion-associated errors. So for, the, for our listeners that don't really know St. James's Hospital, we assist a large variety cohort of patients, including pregnant women, patients post-stem cell transplant, and suffering from hematological malignancies. Um, so what specificities do we need to consider when caring for these complex patients in our ICU? Well, for our haematology patients, um, it's important that they get the CMV negative and irradiated products. We ensure all haematology patients are getting uh, these products. In this hospital, there's a blanket policy for haematology um, patients. So if they're in under um, a haematology consultant, they're issued with CMV negative and irradiated products. And for some of the oncology patients, depending on what consultant they're under. So that's kind of covered. HLA matched um, platelets for our platelet refractory patients. Some patients become refractory to platelets. If this happens, they need HLA, so it's human leukocyte antigen match platelets. This can be a problem sometimes if there aren't many um, donors that match that patient. And the haematology team needs to liaise with the Irish Blood Transfusion Service regarding same. Now, they normally know when the patients are coming in, the transplant patients especially, from other hospitals because they might have had that requirement in the past and they'll try to get the donors into the IBTS to um, donate for those patients specifically. Um, some pregnant women then have antibodies. Pregnant women can develop antibodies during pregnancy. We try to give rhesus D negative um, blood to women of childbearing years. And if they're given rhesus D positive blood in times of shortage, then they will require anti-D to be administered. And then there's... Um, uh, new monoclonal, well, it's not that new anymore, daratumumab. It's given to our patient. It's a monoclonal antibody that's used for treatment of our multiple myeloma patients. And it can if interfere with blood type testing. It, ca- it causes pan-agglutination in the indirect antiglobulin test. So that's a test that's done in the laboratory. And it leads to false positive results and delays in blood availability for transfusion. So to the blood transfusion uh, laboratory, they will not be able to detect any clinical significant antibodies as the antibody screen will always appear positive while the patient is on um, this drug. These samples have to be referred out to the IBTS where they treat the cells prior to antibody testing and they can identify if there's any antibodies present in the patient sample. It's important that the laboratory know the patient is on the drug to avoid delays in providing blood and they don't waste the time testing. So if they know the patient is on daratumumab, they don't do any testing here in James. They send it straight out to the IBTS because there's no point because they're going to get false positive. Um, so Gillian, in preparation for this podcast, we asked the staff if they had any questions for you. Um, so some of those included if initiating a code red, um, the pack A or pack B, what's included in each pack and which do we give first? Right. You can call either a pack A or a pack B. You don't have to ask for pack A first. It depends on how bad the bleed is. So if you have a small bleed, you'd ask for a pack A. A pack A contains six red cells and four plasma. If the bleed is large and coagulation is affected, you would call a pack B. Pack B contains six red cells, four plasma, one pool of platelets and four grams of fibrinogen. Remember to repeat the blood test, including the full blood count, biochemistry and coagulation regularly. The greater blood loss will lead to lack of coagulation factors, which will need to be replaced. 
in that situation you'd start with a pack B and keep going with pack, pack B's until the patient is stable and as I said already there is no need to start with a pack A. And for our staff that don't know, um, can you tell us where is the emergency blood and plasma kept? There's four emergency oresis D negative uh, blood kept in the ICU blood fridge. There's two emergency oresis D negative blood kept in theatre blood fridge. There's six emergency oresis D negative blood and two thawed emergency plasma kept in the Burns blood fridge. And there's six emergency oresis D negative blood kept in the issue area of... Um, which is in the blood transfusion laboratory. There is also six octoplex, the protrombin complex that I was talking about, kept in the Burns fridge and any department can use them. Six of them, which is 3,000 units, is the maximum amount of octoplex you can give anyway. So they're kept in the Burns fridge and there's also six always ready to go in the blood transfusion laboratory. Brilliant. And finally, when we're tracing blood transfusion reactions, or how do we trace blood transfusion reactions when the patient is receiving multiple blood products at the same time? In this situation, we would probably consider that the unit that was infusing at that time is the one that's causing the reaction, but we would state all the unit numbers when we were reporting to the National Hemovigilance Office. So if you have a patient that you are suspecting um, is having a reaction, then complete the carbon copy that's attached to the blood transfusion um, record. So you complete that, you pull the carbon copy off and send it to the laboratory. Like if you have a patient who has um, an itch, an allergic reaction, we don't need any serum samples to investigate that, but that doesn't mean that you don't need to report it. So complete your carbon copy of the reaction um, sheet and send it over to the laboratory. And as I said, if a person has had multiple units we would detail all the units of blood when we're reporting to the National Hemovigilance Office. So you don't have to do that. Once you've reported to us, we'll do all that. Well, thank you very much, Julie, for joining us today. Uh, Thanks to all our listeners. Please like, share and subscribe to Critical Conversations podcast. And we look forward to talking to you all soon.